0: Thank you. I am 22 years old. 22
1: times 4. You're 88 years old now. I'm 88 in my soul, for sure. Sort of. You're like a 14-year-old, 88-year-old symbiotic creature.
0: I know. And when I was 5 years old, I just kept thinking, what is this life? I feel like I'm 40 inside also. So maybe when I'm 40, I'll feel at home. And I have to say, I was correct. Oh, you feel at home now? Yeah. Oh no. well, good. I hope you had a fabulous day. Thank you. I went to play tennis in the morning. Good with my friend that's has taken over for my dad. Does she wear his
1: like pants and shoes or anything to or, like make gym Shore jokes for you?
0: No, but okay. If she did that, like he had the like dad sweatpants that he would pull up really high, <laughs> and I think it would cover her whole body. <laughs> it would, be it would come up to her armpits. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So I thought that was cool. I was like, maybe my dad would be proud that I am still playing tennis on Saturdays. And then I went roller skating because that's my new thing since ski season's over and I have to obsess about something else now. So I have roller skated at an indoor roller skating park with ramps two days this week.
1: I'm so nervous for you.
0: It's fine. I've lived through worse. Like people I just- dying. Don't want you to break your fingers because you need those. But Anita, I've broken my fingers before. I used to do sports. Remember, like yeah. piano competitions and sports, and I would break my fingers like two days before competition, and I would just rework the fingering. Okay, songs, so it's fine. I'll be fine.
1: Okay, good. I'll will stop worrying for you, and then tell us the rest of your birthday.
0: Okay, so I was having a great birthday. It was fun but then I was at the store later getting some food to make dinner and and I noticed that when my mind was kind of off of a task I was feeling depressed and I think I've been feeling griefy and then this morning I woke up and I was like oh it was my first birthday without my dad in on the planet alive yeah so that's happening so I don't feel so great right now but I guess that's how it goes it's kind of like you have the warm fuzzies
1: on the birthday itself maybe and then you get done with the birthday and then you're like, "Oh." And then now it's just life again and
0: Yeah, and also my dad's 3 month death anniversary was my birthday. And he died on a Saturday after tennis, so I'm sure there's some subconscious things going on in there. Oh. But all in all, I think it was a great successful day and I had a lot of people wishing me well wishes, which was nice. And for real, the the kids at the park thought that I was 22. So I'm going to go with it. Yeah, why not? But Anita, you, my friend, are not anywhere near me right now. I am recording on
1: location at a very, very special place. Are you ready to know where? Yeah. I'm at Rad Rachel Barbosa's cabin right now in California.
0: I am so jealous. You tell me everything. Um, it took about 40 and a half hours
1: to drive here. Should have only taken 10, but the universe didn't want us to come. But we got here. We I staved off a mutiny or two in the car, and uh, we made it here today. So we're hoping to have a nice spring break for my kids, so we're spending it here. Rachel had said, hey, I'm going to start renting out my cabin. And I was like, hey, can we come? And she was like, heck yeah. So
0: here we are. Wait, was she there? Did you get to say hi? No, she's not here. Ooh. Rachel. I know. Okay, so yeah. at least I don't get to be jealous of that part. That makes me yeah. feel better in my cold heart. Yeah, and my audio quality might be
1: crappy because I didn't bring all my equipment and there's people walking upstairs. So you might hear stomping and maybe screaming or who knows what's going to happen. But
0: Yeah, we're, we're just going to get this out and it's going to be fine. Mel, I have got to tell you,
1: What happened to me this week, though? Okay, go. It's the most bizarre thing. If you follow my Instagram, you already know, but I'm going to tell the story. So this happened on Friday night. Um, We were leaving on Saturday to drive to California, so I wanted to get a good night's sleep. So I go to bed, I'm sleeping, and I hear my doorbell ring. And I'm like, it wakes me up, and then I'm thinking to myself, that, that can't be right. You know, that's, I have to have dreamed or imagined that because why would somebody be ringing my doorbell? So I was just kind of laying there confused. And then I heard this bang, 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 bang on my door. And I was like, I did not imagine that. So I grabbed my phone and I saw that it was 3 a.m. on the dot. And I was not excited to go answer the door at 3 a.m. Because no good Thing is happening at 3 a.m. I kind of thought it like might be a scary person. <laughs> like tiptoed out and I looked out the window and there was a police officer standing on my doorstep. And I'm like, why? Why, 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 why? Luckily, I like knew my kids were all at home. So I knew they weren't like notifying me of something like that. But still I was trying to figure, I mean, in the split second. So I opened the door. And the police officer was like, is everything okay in
0: there? I'm like, yeah. Like it was
1: until he woke me up. Yes. And he said, somebody called 911 from your house. And I'm like, what the hell? We are all (laughs) sound asleep. If my boys were awake, I would have been like, oh, yeah, they totally did it. Because, you know, they're boys and they do stuff like that. But no, they were all in the bed with me. And my 11-year-old woke up and was like, Mom, you know, what's going on? I'm like, I don't know. So I said, well, let me just go make sure everything's okay downstairs. And he's like, yeah, go do that. So I like walked downstairs like a drunk person, you know, like, and I had to have looked like a complete disaster because, yeah, it was the middle of the night. Walked downstairs. I opened my daughter's door. She kind of woke up and she was fine. So I walked back upstairs and I was like, you know, everything's fine. And he gave me the phone number that had called. And I was like, no, that's not my phone number. And then I was like, oh, it might be my daughter's phone number. But I don't know her phone number in my head. So I had to get my phone out and like go to my address book. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's my daughter's phone number. So then I went back downstairs and I'm like, did you call the police? And she's like, what? (laughs) No. So I get her phone and she was like laying on it, it was under her somehow. And then I, you know, looked on her call log and sure enough, she somehow rolled onto her phone and called 911. So I walked back upstairs and I was like, yes, it's on here. It, somehow she called 911. So I showed him the call and then I put the phone in my pocket. And I'm still so disoriented and like I'm, my heart is just like pounding out of my chest. I think everybody's heart would be pounding out of their chest. Don't you think at 3 a.m. if a police officer comes and pounds on your door, like that's not a calming situation? Everybody. Yeah. 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 And the whole time I just am like, I wanted to yell at him like, the last time you did this, you were telling me my husband was dead.
0: Was it the same guy? Because that would have no. been even better. No, it was not the same guy.
1: No. I, it's funny enough that I would recognize the guy who came and told me about Jason that these are two different guys. And he was nice enough. Like he wasn't like angry. Um, But I put her phone back in my pocket and I'm talking to him and he's like pointing at my pocket and there on the phone. is like somebody going, hello, hello, hello. And I pulled my phone, the phone out of my pocket and I had dialed 911 again, a pocket dial. And so what (laughs) did I do? I hung it up really quick and I was like, oh, I know you're not supposed to do that. I'm so sorry. I just, I'm like, I'm disoriented. I don't know. So the police officer called the dispatcher and was like, "That was just the mom." <laughs> oh my god! So he's like, "Everything's you know." I'm like, "Everything really is fine." And he had to have known from my disposition that there was no sneaky business going on inside. And so he's like,
0: "You know, tell me your name and what's your birthday." And I go, "You can't ask me oh, a question like at that 3 at three in the morning." Yeah. But guess what? You knew that it was my birthday because I got a text at three fourteen that said. You know. Happy birthday. Also, I'm awake because there were cops at my door.
1: Yeah. Did you know your birthday? Yes, I finally did know my birthday. But then they wanted to know my daughter's birthday. And that's even harder. So I got that all. And then he was like, all right, well, tell your daughter to put her phone on the nightstand. And then he left. And then I went and I was like, I need to go back to bed because I need to drive all day tomorrow. I went downstairs. My daughter is just sobbing. She's like, I'm Aww. so sorry, mom. And I'm like, you didn't mean to. Like, you, I don't even know how you did that. She's like, I didn't mean to. I'm so sorry. Because she knew I was like really, really, really shaken and upset. And of course, but I'm like, there's nothing to be sorry about. <laughs> you know, I don't even know how you did that. And then Accidents. I had to go upstairs. And I had to calm down the 11-year-old. Because he was like, mom, why are there police here? And I'm like, it's weird. And I don't know. Well, also, oh my gosh. I go and I lay back down. And I'm like, how am I supposed to go back to sleep? There's no way I'm going back to sleep after that. So finally I went and took drugs and, uh, laid back down and fell back asleep after a while. So I woke up all groggy and like disoriented. Cause you shouldn't take sleeping pills at (laughs) 3am. You know, you Mm -hmm. take them like the night before, but I was just like, and I wasn't just like my heart was pounding. Like I was, I was like upset, you know? And, uh woke up in the morning and my five-year-old is like mom why did that police officer come so i found out that he had gone and greeted the police officer at some point in time and talked to him <laughs> so
0: <laughs> are you serious
1: yeah God. he waddled out there and was like hey what's up you know and just went back to bed so and my other son slept through it completely he had no idea
0: isn't that so weird uh, i i don't know anybody that this has happened to more than you what is the deal maybe it's jason trying to get your attention in a horrible well, I way i actually thought
1: that i was like are we not supposed to go on this trip is like somebody having to pound on my door to be like don't go so i really hope that's not the case and i didn't ignore him <laughs> oh, and then i actually thought it was scott making sure i wished you a happy birthday
0: oh it probably was an- that actually that is a
1: dick move scott
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true. i um Dear dead husbands, please let's not re-traumatize us. <laughs> but thank you for thinking of us. Yeah, but then like the first thing I thought was like, I have to text Mel. I and mean, then I was like, I have to tell somebody, like, who do I
1: tell this? This is like so weird. How did this happen? I don't even understand. I was like, I hope it doesn't wake her up. But
0: with the exception of Aaron, who has the benefit of being in Australia and being yeah. much ahead of us? You were the first United States person to wish me a happy birthday. Yay. Okay, All good. thanks to Scott and Jason that traumatized you. Yes, and the, and the police officer.
1: So that is my wild and bizarre, bizarre and zany story. I'm just like, I can't even think of these things that happen. I can't even make them
0: up. So crazy. Yeah. So um, there you go. I'm really glad you're okay. And I'm glad you made it to California and that that's over. Yeah, wow. me too. Can I talk to you about this before we get into our business? Uh, aye, aye, Captain. I am right now just being annoyed that people have opinions on widows and what they put on their social media. That's all. I hate everybody right now. Are people saying that to you? or Yes. You- or like, why is Mel, why does she post stuff about her dead husband? Why does she say all the time that she's a widow? Why is she doing this? And I'm like... Are you stupid? Well, if she's a widow, like, if are you still a widow at, after four or five years? And it's like, what? So it just is like reminding me, like, when we started the podcast, we were like, we have to tell people what this is like, because this is such a strange, like, existence. People don't even mm-hmm. understand. We didn't understand before. And now, like, we have our tribe, right? And our friends that we've made through the podcast. And we're all like, yeah, we get it. We all get each other. But now... I'm kind of experiencing similar things to what you and I were going through before we started the podcast where it's like, oh, no, we need to keep informing people. It's like, it's annoying. Can't you just be like, oh, I'm sure that that's an event that like has been hard and you it will have always happened to you. It never will have not happened to you.
1: Yeah, I guess if you have lots of widow friends, it's almost like an echo chamber and you kind of forget that the muggles are still confused maybe and they don't understand that yeah this doesn't go away and it's such a personal thing how we choose and find ways to grieve and to move forward and to integrate
0: oh yeah can i am having a visitor now hello visitor welcome yep just it's fine yeah
1: it's fine it's all good anyway yeah that's i'm sorry mel That is
0: annoying. And I think it's like, I do put a lot of stuff on my Instagram that's about widowhood stuff. Because it's like, we just went to Camp Widow. It's like, oh, here's (laughs) Anita. She's my widow wife. Like, we're trying to help people know what widows are and what they look like and this and that. And so, like, my social media, my regular one is about widow stuff. Because it says, like, co-host of the podcast Widow We Do Now. Duh. Of course, I'm going to put stuff on there about that. And then I put random stuff like, here's my dog. I went skating. Blah, blah, blah. I like I play the, the organ. organ. Yeah. Yeah. Then I have my professional music page where it's all, I love the organ and the piano. Here's a video, right? And so I'm like, what is, what's wrong with people? Like, cause I don't do a lot of like the daily stuff like you do. Like, you have kind yeah. of like a daily travel log. And so, I don't know. I don't know what I'm really saying other than I'm just annoyed. Like, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Yeah. With grief sure. civilians. And the fight, fight, the the battle is always going to be there where, with people that don't understand. But, like, I think maybe it's because I'm extra grumpy because of my dad dying. I just keep saying, like, I can't wait until you experience this. And then I feel like a jerk because I don't want to wish harm on somebody. But, like, I kind of do. You know what? I've got a name for that. I've
1: decided it's called Widow's Revenge because have you heard of Mother's Revenge? No. Okay, Mother's Revenge is when your children grow up and have children just like they were so they get a taste of their own medicine, so to speak. So Widow's Revenge is when you curse a grief civilian to become a widow and then they get to understand it firsthand. Trademarked. It's trademarked, guys.
0: Widow's Revenge. Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) circle r (laughs) maybe it's also a branch of sociopathy widowopathy (laughs) yeah because like i want to be an empathetic person like this whole stupid widow stuff has made me more empathetic in some ways and in some ways it's made me be like i want to cut you
1: yeah should we see if we can get that added to the dsm six yeah
0: yeah. yeah since the dsm is always changing yeah yeah, yeah. let's see do what it. widowopathy can do it'll yes. be in one of the clusters of <laughs> mental illnesses <Yes>. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> but then we'll have to be like is being a widow a mental illness ah no yes but yes
1: no um, <laughs> what speaking of camp widow
0: we have a big <gasps> announcement oh my gosh I forgot we haven't talked about it on this yet. You guys, guess where we're going? We are going, coming, making our way to Australia. Wow, that was <laughs> scary. And I apologize for Anita. <laughs> okay, and stroke. we have our tickets already. We will be eating Top Ramen for the next three years. Yep. But. We think it's worth it because we really want to be able to go see our Australian friends and present and give everybody hugs in person. Yes.
1: So we are so hopeful that a a lot or some of our Australian, New Zealand, Pacific Island friends can make it. It's August 5th through the 7th, 2022. So please come. We're so excited to go down there. Not excited for the um,
0: million hour
1: flight but I've been researching
0: neck pillows, so it should be fine. It's going to be fine. And all I want to do is baby Joey's. I just yeah. want to like hold them and find them. I need some help. Can somebody help me find a baby Joey farm or something a Farm, like a responsibly and ethically tended to Joey farm?
1: What Can about a root? rescue, a Joey rescue yeah. Would that be okay? Yeah.
0: Okay. Hey, do you think there are therapy kangaroos? I need that. Ah. I need it right now.
1: Mm-hmm. I, do, I don't I do have an answer for you, but okay. we can find out. Yeah, Mel told me she's like, that is more important than Camp Widow itself. And I'm like, we really do have to show up at Camp Widow, though, Mel. We really can't just go and, like, spend all the time looking for kangaroos. And she was not Wait. convinced. So, we'll see.
0: Did I really say that? Yes. <laughs> I I digress. So, But what if, you know how Camp Widow in the States has therapy Therapy dogs? dogs. What if Mm -hmm. they had therapy joeys in the lobby? Please, please. That's my request.
1: Okay, we'll put it in. We'll put the request in. We'll find the forms that need to be filled out.
0: So guys... I have something to say regarding the Patreon because <laughs> those who are at the Widow Bestie level and up got a bajillion emails and notifications this week. The reason why is because we are now, and I'm, I'm excited for this because this is good for all y'alls. We are now able to offer our patrons at the Widow Bestie level and up ad free episodes. But Yay! to do that, I I had to put it in the actual Patreon like I couldn't do it from our regular podcast thing this is all nerd speak so don't listen but it was the only way but now it's over and now you'll only get updates when you do get a new episode or some other new post in patreon so thank you for those who kind of endured that storm of 186 notifications And who might not have seen the first email I sent out warning you. Including my mom and your mom, like, Anita, what is going on? And I was like, we can't turn off the notifications. We're so sorry. It's over now. I promise. (laughs) So everybody, now that you'll be able to listen to the ad free in Patreon, there's a way to add it to your favorite podcast player. So I will be emailing people instructions with how to do that. So never fear. It's kind of a two-step process, but you'll be able to not listen to it on just the website. You'll be able to listen to it in a podcast player. So details to come. Speaking of Patreon. Thank you, Mel. If you want to join our Patreon, please do. It helps us. It helps us to make content and help other people. It's seriously the only way that we have been able to help other people. So we are so grateful for you. And to those who are not able to join Patreon at this time, let's give special thanks to those who are generous and helping to support the podcast so that it can be free to all and we are going to do our shout out right now and we're doing it a little different because our zoom connection is ridiculous so anita's gonna do the first half and i'm gonna do the second half
1: okay we're gonna start with our secret dead husband and she says to us and especially me welcome to the widow california such a lovely place such a <laughs> lovely place." Such a lovely face Okay, and next we're gonna do Constance Dahlbeck David Kelly Dawn Satterwhite Gail Bell Ivan the Meisner Kat Krista Waite Sam Finlayson Amy Hartman Martell Amy Sapp Ashley Hahn Brittany Pedro Chris Steffen Christina Shifflett Danielle Catterberg Not a Debbie Downer. Dennis Brozo. No, Brazo. Dennis Brazo. (laughs) Ever since. Jean Marie Massey. Jenny Taylor. Jennifer Beale. Jennifer E. Hassel. Jenny Wang. Kathy Murray. What? Jennifer Brown. Oh, shoot jennifer brown there's a lot of jennifers it's kelly ford's episode today spooky scary kirsten lauren old come to australia yes leslie webb marie hoffman mk anderson missy schubert is coming in my luggage patricia weist (laughs) rachel barb bolsa we need to have an extra dance for her now (laughs) your cabin's rad um, Sarah Morris, Sue Golak, Sylvia Shore, Taylor Snyder, Karen Cornejo, who I think is in England again. She is. Vicki Spit, the widow of Kirkoff, Anna Tracy, Christina Scambato, Christine Anderson, Cindy Reynaud, Don Barber, Debbie Fells,
0: Deborah Westwood, Diana Becker, Emily Toledo, and Eric Vandermuhlen. And now it is my turn. Aaron Posick, Gabe Lozano, Gia Benoit, Gina Haas. Happy birthday sometime this month. Ian Sini, Iliana Ileana Bell-Ruiz, Jackie Coyle, Anita's mom, Jenny Armstrong, Jenny Barrow, Jocelyn Milo, Julie Stevenson, Karina Jacobo, Katie Radcliffe, Chris Morgan, Laura Bradbury, Laura Keeley. Lindsay Konopka, Yes, it was my turn to say it. I'm so lucky. Lori Farrington. Marjorie Lewis. Mary McGowan. Megan Montague. Melissa Bowers. Melissa Hancock. Peter Rukavina. Becky Zyba, Sarah Kennedy. Stacy Saywert. Sunshine and Disco Haven. Tammy Terevist. Tara Wallace. Valerian Root Packer. And tennis ball, Wendy. Oh, that's sweet for my thank you. Yeah, thank you to everybody who
1: supports us on the Patreon. Like Mel said, if you don't want to become a patron, buy us a taco. Guess
0: what, Mel? What this week I ate a taco de cabeza. I have a video of it. I need to put it up. It's so funny. It was not my favorite. It had very gross gummy bits. Anyway. We actually do. Go get tacos. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash widow we do now. If you do not want to buy us tacos or join the Patreon, you can help us out by giving us a five-star rating and a review. That is nice. Please don't send us a mean one. It makes us feel bad because we're grieving. (laughs) I know that's not really right. You should just be honest, but please be nice if if you can. If you don't do one, then we actually see that and it makes our hearts know that you don't love us so it's fine guess Um, what you guys the zoom hangs are this week yeah with autumn when are they they are saturday yeah but like what is our freaking time zone now now we're in mountain daylight time oh my gosh i hate it okay it's saturday 12 p.m mountain daylight time and session two is 6 p.m mountain daylight time The Zoom links will be posted in the Widow Wives Club under the Events tab. So please check there. We cannot wait to see you. And it's going to be good to see Autumn. And if you don't know where to find that because you're not a member of
1: the Widow Wives Club, come join us in the Widow Wives Club. We're growing. It's an awesome community. It's private on Facebook. Just make sure you answer all the questions. Yes, we really do make you provide proof that you're a widow. But that's to keep it a really safe space so that you know that all the people there belong
0: there and are not scary scammers. Yep. All right, Anita, it's time. Let's do this. I'm Anita. I'm Mel.
1: We're two young widows and we're just trying to help all the other widows figure out. Widow. We. Do.
0: Now. This episode is sponsored by the Meisner Family Foundation in memory of Elizabeth Meisner.
1: Sometimes we assume that unless we had a huge life insurance payout, we don't really need to know anything about investments or even finances. But guess what? A little knowledge of finances is critical for all of us. Maybe your partner was in charge of that stuff, and now you find yourself making all the decisions. Maybe you're mad about that. Maybe I am. Nicole from the He's Gone But The Money's Not podcast is here to help. She tackles financial literacy by telling the stories of women and widows and finance experts and shares the lessons they've learned as certified financial planners. Whether you know a lot and feel confident in your financial decisions or feel unsure about all of that stuff, there is more to learn. Listen and subscribe to the He's Gone But The Money's Not podcast on all podcast platforms. This ad was paid for by Rock House Financial, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Welcome to our new podcast. It's called Special Widows Only. <laughs> that actually kind of sounds like a dating like weird <laughs> dating app. Like only fans, like only widows. <laughs> okay, that's not. None of this is true. This is still the same podcast. Please don't.
0: And, and and all widows are special. Let's be clear. We have a
1: guest today that we're excited to talk to. This is Kelly kelly ford who we have found is actually really good at lip reading strangely
0: enough she's also really good at sending secret santa gifts was she your secret santa i was Mm -hmm. (laughs) i looked at the little cardinal you sent me today and i thought of you and i was like how did she know that now we extra need it because my dad died so it's been helping my mom oh i love that kelly is so cool
1: Kelly, where are you recording from? We got to figure out who you are.
0: Other than your closet, where do you live?
2: I am recording from my closet, from my house in Waynesboro, Pennsylvania.
0: And tell us where that
2: is. It's just a smidge over the Maryland line. um, But I usually explain to people that we're like 30 minutes west of Gettysburg.
1: Oh.
2: People get that. They know Gettysburg.
1: Yes. I've been there, I think. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your person and how you guys met and all of the things?
2: Yeah, that's like my favorite thing to talk about. <laughs> Yay! I just, I love that you guys always talk about how you just like word vomit all over people. And you did it in the beginning a more. I still do that. I just want to tell everybody about Kyle. and like, hey, guess what? I'm a widow. Don't be, just be nice to me. So Kyle and I actually met in high school because I was terrible at math. So he was a freshman. I was a junior who had failed algebra two twice, and they put me back into algebra one with the freshman. His last name was Ford. My last name was Gillette. We ended up sitting next to each other, and I copied off of him through most of math class in order to pass. And we dated on and off in high school, my junior and senior year. And then we went our separate ways, mostly my fault. Lots of big regrets there. But 13 years later, thanks to Facebook and Throwback Thursday and a whole bunch of old photos, I was able to reconnect with him. And I had just ended a really toxic relationship. He had just really gotten out of um, a very unhealthy relationship as well. But he had a daughter, uh, that's Victoria. So we turns out we were working like a block away from each other. So we met for happy hour uh, one evening and then that was just it we just picked up right where we had left off from high school we it was just i always described Kyle as my home base because he was just where i was able to kind of recharge and he was the only place that i could be where i just felt like i could breathe and take that deep breath and let it go so when we got together as adults it was It was like my fairy tale, you know, I thought, I thought we were supposed to be together. We were supposed to have this time together because clearly fate brought us back together. And we did things a little backwards. We moved in together pretty quickly as we moved up here to Waynesboro. We left Baltimore in 2015 and we moved up here. We had my son in 2016. Kyle proposed in 2018. We got married. September 28th, 2019. And he died 51 days later.
0: Stop. Fate is a jerk. Yeah. Suddenly. Do you know what happened?
2: Yeah. So because of his age, he was only 34. And because of his age and because it was so sudden, they had to do an autopsy. And, you know, so let me back up. I got the phone call at like 11 o'clock in the morning from his partner. They were actually going to open a business together doing what they were, had been doing for years. Um, His partner had his wife call me and she said, Kyle collapsed out in the field. They were out in Lancaster for a job, a sidewalk. And my first thought was like, all right, well, it's, it's Kyle. Like there can't be anything wrong. Like, did he wake up? And she was like, I don't know. So I said, you got to have Mike call me and Mike calls me back and he just immediately puts the um, paramedic on the phone who tells me that Kyle has not regained consciousness and that they've done um, multiple rounds of CPR. It seems like they would do the CPR and then he would crash again he would do it again. And he just said, you need to, uh, you need to get to Lancaster Hospital, Lancaster General, and I don't suggest you drive on your own. So I get out there and the doctor says to me, this, this sentence will never leave me. Your husband's heart really wanted to stop today. That's that's just how he led with it. And he said, um, as often as we could get it back, it just kept crashing on us. So." he informed me that due to the amount of time where it was like, I guess, time without oxygen and all of the different times that they had to do the CPR, that his brain had gone without oxygen for too long and that there was just no recovering from it. So at one point in the hospital, there was talk of it maybe being an aneurysm, but there was so much swelling in the brain scans, they couldn't tell. And then they said that it didn't seem like he had had a heart attack. So they weren't really sure. Just something had stopped his heart. The autopsy came back that he had nearly double the size heart that he should have had. So he had cardiomyopathy. I want to
0: say it was atrophic? Hypertrophic cardiomyopathy? Oh, that might be it. (laughs) Or it could be atrophic cardiomyopathy. see, I think it's that one. What's the difference? My dad had hypertrophic But he didn't die from that, but I know what it is.
1: So atro now this is like really testing my brain, but atrophic means that the heart is enlarged, but not because it's like, like, um, getting bigger because it's pumping harder. It's just bigger. And hypertrophic means that it's like bigger because it's working harder. So maybe
2: that, maybe Kyle's was the atrophic? Atrophic.
1: Yeah, that is a thing. So.
2: They said it was nearly the, double the size. And um, I was told to get the kids tested because it could be genetic. And um, so they had to have heart uh, echoes, they had to have EKGs. And I'm actually in talks with Hershey Medical Center in order to get geneticist testing or genetic testing in order to see if they have any of these genes that can make them more prone to having an enlarged heart.
0: So currently that's kind of what's happening. So the kids haven't been tested and gotten results yet.
2: They have gotten results on EKGs and echoes and both are normal. Now, Victoria will have to start being tested next year, every year. So starting at 12, they have to get tested every year, I guess, because it develops more in adolescence, um, that kind of young adult stuff. So, and that's, we have to wonder about Kyle because he was, super physical. I mean, he played sports his whole life. He played multiple sports in high school and he was athlete of the year. And so he, you figure you have to get all these physicals and stuff done, but nothing ever came up of it. And after he died, of course, I scoured the internet to find out what I missed. Like, why didn't I know this was happening? Why didn't I know that something was wrong with him? And all of the symptoms are so vague and so just so broad that, There was not a single thing that I could pinpoint that Kyle had dealt with. You know, it it just makes no sense to me.
1: So when you arrived at the hospital, he was still alive. They were able to resuscitate him enough, but the doctor came and talked to you and said that his brain had been without oxygen too long.
2: Yes, he was still alive, but he was um, they had a breathing machine hooked up to him. I can still hear that noise. Like, I hate that. But I still have like flashbacks to the sounds in the hospital and stuff. And that noise just doesn't go away. And they had him in the emergency room when I first got there, like in a a, a pocketed room almost. And then they moved him up to the cardiac ICU. And that's when more visitors came. Like I had texted people on the ride out there. Luckily, I had had a friend who... Who such a random way that she found out, but I called the daycare to say, I'm going to Lancaster. I'm going to drop off the car seat and figure out who's picking up the kids. And the director said, Don't worry about it. We have an extra car seat. I'll figure it out. She called one of the other parents who knew me well enough that she was, she called me and told me to pull over and she would come get me. We're about two hours away from Lancaster. So that was the worst drive ever it was just I I just kept going back and forth between texting people to say like just pray or you know just like I, I don't even know what I wanted I wanted a miracle you know obviously but I wanted people to know because I thought the more people that were praying the better chances that he had that he would be okay well we had some friends in our group that are nurses that connected with some of the ICU nurses that they knew. I think they had a cousin or a family member or something out there and they connected and asked about the situation with Kyle and they were told that it was really bad and that he, they needed to come out if they wanted to say goodbye to him. So a lot of our friends came out. I could name, I could like name a few of them. You know, it's just a blur when you see everyone, but One of the things that has stuck with me in that hospital, and I don't know who said this to me, but I just kept remembering, I I just kept saying, I'm not strong enough for this. I can't do this without him. What am I supposed to do about Victoria? You know, she needs to stay with our family. He had full custody of her and I needed to make sure that her life stayed as normal as it could. You know, this is what she had known for the majority of her life. And somebody leaned down and said into my ear, Kyle wouldn't have married you if you weren't strong enough. And those words carried me through for the first couple of weeks. They really did.
1: What a powerful statement to make to you. And especially if you could take that and believe it and just kind of, like you said, hold on to that, cling to that as you were trying to figure out what to do, did did you have to make a decision to withdraw life support?
2: Yeah. Um, it was... They, I kept making them do everything that they could. And, you know, we were there for hours, and and there was so much talk of him, like the palliative care, and so much talk of him not recovering, but I still didn't want to believe it. So when they... I remember being moved out of the room because he had started to crash again and they finally came out. They had flipped him onto his stomach, I guess, to help his lungs or something there. And they came back out to me and just said, um, they had given him everything they could. They had done every intervention they could have done. And that was just, there was nothing left. So mom and his brother were, were there and, At first, I just kept thinking, like, there is no way I can say, I don't want you to save him anymore. Like, how do you say those words? But I looked at his mom and I looked at his brother and I just said, he would hate this. And so that's, they both agreed with me and I hated it. I was so bitter at the fact that it was my choice, (laughs) like 51 days and it's my choice because we were married for 51 days. That would have been somebody else's fault. Like somebody else could have taken that decision and it wouldn't sit with me, you know?
0: So that's a question I have for you because it seems like there's a lot to hold on to with that. Do you feel like because you had to make the decision and even though you knew that there was no outcome of him surviving and living, a, you know, being himself again, what has that been like on you? You can swear if you want, because I can quack you.
2: I'm going to try not to. <laughs> um,
0: you know, for
2: a while, I, I dealt with a lot of, of guilt, I guess is the right word, of just like, I had to make that choice, and I can't blame anybody else for the choice. Like, it's all on me, and... I have to answer to the kids with that one day when they ask and it just, I'm not ready for that. I'm not, I'm not ready for their innocent questions of like, well, didn't you believe that he could get better? And you know, just the innocent questions that kids can say, they are soul crushing sometimes. Right. Anita? you <laughs> like they're
1: soul crushing. Yes. And you can't be mad at them because it's coming from a place, like you said of innocence, but you're still like, please don't do that to me. You talked about on the way to the hospital asking people to pray for you. How has it been, you know, I I imagine that if you're asking people to pray that you have a belief in a higher power and a God or um, what have you. How has it been that you did not get the miracle that you were hoping for? How has that tested or tried your belief system? Ooh, that's a good question. That is a very
2: good question. I am am still so angry with God. I am still so angry, but I'm no longer giving him the silent treatment. Like I, I was so angry that our pastor would come over and he'd ask me, you know, how I was doing, if I was praying, and I'm like, no, no. He took my husband. I'm not gonna pray to him. No, it's not happening. And it took me a long while to get back there, but I will say that I think the reason I was able to get back into my more solid faith and that relationship that I had with my faith is because my kids kept wanting to go
1: to church. That's the weirdest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Okay, keep going. (laughs) That your kids wanted to go. My kids are like, please, can we not go to church? We have an
2: awesome youth group. So that's why they're really into it. They have a lot of fun. But that's truly the only reason I think I kept going because I was pulling further away from my faith, but they were dragging me in. So, and somewhere along the way, I, I must have done something right with keeping my kids interested in their faith because my daughter just chose to get baptized a couple of months ago. And that's in our church. That's all your own choice. Your, your parents don't do that for you. You make that choice when you're old enough. And she did. So That was cool.
0: Have you had a good supportive community in your church family? Yes, but I don't, I feel bad saying this. I'm
2: not super connected to the church family. Like I have some people that I'm very connected with and our daycares run in conjunction with their, their program. So I have some good support from them, but I have amazing support from everywhere else. I mean, the people, the ways that I was supported, gratitude is not enough. There is no way that I can ever give back to all of them that made sure I was okay and that the kids were okay. And they're still taking care of us. They're still still doing things for us just to make life easier. And I hope that doesn't stop. But for so many widows, it does and there's a part of me that feels when i hear you guys talking to widows who did not have a good support system it makes me feel like i got more than i should have <laughs> like, like i got i got their share too and then i feel guilty about it and because i just they never let me hit rock bottom they just didn't
0: remind us how long has it been Since Kyle? Uh, Just
2: a bit over two years, two, uh, two years, a few months.
0: Okay. So you mentioned that Kyle had full custody of Victoria, of his daughter. What ended up happening with that?
2: So I was awarded full physical custody, shared legal custody. And she sees her mom every other weekend when that can happen. And it's a supervised visit. It's dropped recently down to once a month just for scheduling with her supervisor, but she's here with me and I have, I have the ability to keep her life normal and as normal as possible.
1: <laughs> I'm wondering, and maybe you do or maybe you don't know this, but in the state where you live, do step parents have any built-in rights in your state? I don't know the
2: answer to that. My lawyer was just so confident because Tori had been with us since she was five full time. Like She had been with us part time until then, but then full time when she started kindergarten. And our, my lawyer, Kyle's lawyer, just kept saying that they don't, judges don't want to just rip kids from the lives that they know. And if it's stable and secure, they'll keep them in that life. But in another situation where it's like partial custody for both parents, I don't know what would happen with the the step parent at that point.
1: Yeah, I know that's a that's a stressful thing for a lot of people is they they might have, you know, it might be a second marriage for them and they have stepchildren. And then when their person dies, it's like their their spouse or their partner dies and then they're also faced with losing They're all the other people in their life, you know, their stepchildren who are stepchildren, but we're still part of their family. And it's it's such a strange and really painful experience, I think, for a lot of people. So the thing about your experience, though, and I wonder if you ever curse Kyle is now you're like not co-parenting, but you you have to be the person the go between between his, you know, last former partner and yourself and you're like i was never in a relationship with her i don't need to be the one. i did not sign up for that yeah discussing the legal whatever's that you know decisions we have to make for her and the fact that you need an attorney at all that's bleh too I know that
2: the judge was actually really great because he really recognized what was happening and how recent kyle had died and he looked over at me while, cause I had to sit in a stand and, you know, talk about our whole life. It was intense. And, uh, and it was very kind when he just looked over at the very end and just said, my condolences to you and Victoria, this is not anything anybody should be dealing with. And I'm so sorry. It was just like, he recognized, I felt seen. I felt seen that he had understood it was a week after Kyle had died and I'm sitting in a stand talking to a judge about my daughter, you know?
0: It's just, it's, what a stupid situation, but also what a little piece of mercy that the judge gave you that little nod and those li- those words, like such few words meant so much. And I cannot believe that a week after he had died that you had to be in court. Like, come on, you should be in your bed, like eating, eating Skittles. I wasn't eating. I had no
2: appetite. I had friends that were forcing me to eat just like a bite here and there. My mom. <laughs> God, you'll love this story. My mom will probably hate me for telling this story. But it's another one of those things that sticks out to you. She had shown up. It was within that first week. And she had shown up early in the morning. And Kyle's mom had been staying at the house with me. So she was there. And and I remember her putzing around and like doing stuff in the kitchen. And I was just sitting at the table. And my mom comes in. And she said, did you eat breakfast? And I kind of confusingly thought about it and said, no, I don't. I don't think so. And Joni, my mother-in-law, she said, Kelly, did I eat breakfast? And I was like, I don't, I don't think so. And she goes, I did. I had a bagel. Like it was like her way of being like, you remember nothing. (laughs) And my mom, bless her heart, slams down one of those like carnation instant breakfast drinks onto the table and was like, You need to drink this. It's like, I'm not drinking that. It's I don't have an appetite at all. And now you want me to drink crap? <laughs> no, thank you. So she got really upset that I didn't want that. And so she, like I just remember her like visually slamming on the table and then visually shoving it back into her purse. I remember that sticking out to me. And she just wanted me to eat. But I just had, I lost 30 pounds in the first like month and a half after Kyle died. I just dropped all this weight.
0: It's too shocking. Mm-hmm. And then on top of the shocking death that you had you had a court date, right? Like, come on. And then you, you have kids. How have your kids been doing with this?
2: Um, so Tori seems to be doing a lot better than Jacob, but she also bottles things up. So I have both of them in therapy her because she bottles things up and Jacob just because of his age and not, not really comprehending. Um, and then I signed them up for our grief group, which is a really cool local thing that we have up here um, and it was run out of the college for a while, but they have different activities. And and when it was in person, you got to be grouped with people with similar losses. So I was grouped with a couple of other widows and my kids were grouped with, with other kids who had had big loss. Um, but then it went virtual with COVID and everything, but they're downstairs doing that right now because it's been helpful to them and therapy has been helpful to them and, Immediately after, I like made a book so that my kids could look at all the pictures of them with daddy. And I got teddy bears made from shirts and I gave them some of his t shirts to sleep in. And I just did everything I could think of to give them some inkling of connection. But Jacob, he is really struggling with the separation, like the separation anxiety. He sleeps in my bed, he will not. He will not sleep in his room anymore. He hasn't since Kyle died. If I get him to fall asleep, I have to lay in bed until he falls asleep. And then I have to sneak out like a ninja. And if he wakes up an hour or two later, he will come looking for me because I'm downstairs working or I'm cleaning up the kitchen or, you know, just trying to do anything in that time frame. And he comes looking for me. And for like the, first year and a half he would come down rage scream crying because he was just devastated that I was not there and it always ended with him in that (gasps) kind of cry and he would say I thought you died so and also never lock a door in this house because if you lock a door he will beat it down to make sure you're okay (laughs)
1: I think that this is such a common experience for kids once they have experienced a loss to assume or not necessarily assume but that that unattainable nature that loss used to have that death used to have is gone and so now everybody around them is going to die and you know adult brains do this too but kid brains don't have the same logic and the same reasoning and they don't understand how we prevent death they don't even understand I think how death really happens so it's very mystical and it's really an awful it's an awful thing for them and my kids have certainly dealt with that my older my older ones actually dealt with it more than the younger ones have um but i we finally had to do anti-anxiety medicine for um, a couple of my kids which i would never have considered before i never i just would never have even have thought of that before this and then it's like oh and it has helped it has kind of helped take the edge off of that and the other thing that's so hard is that you cannot promise them that you're going to be okay because we don't know right and it's so hard because you can't say i promise i will be back it's like i don't know have you ever watched daniel tiger's neighborhood yes so there's I have a five-year-old <laughs> yeah okay. there's an episode where they sing grown-ups come back and i'm like except for when they don't. And yeah, um, yeah I know. It's, yep. it's, it's brutal. It, it's so hard. And it's like, yes, they usually come back and I'm going to do everything I can to be safe. And this is what will happen if I don't come back. You know, and it's like, oh, it's like you were saying before. Those conversations are so hard and they just are,
0: they're brutal and they have to happen. I have a question. I am a non-parent, but my question to you parents is how are how do you even deal with that? Because kid, they're watching Daniel Tiger and they are it's like, yeah, you want your kid to be safe and their brain is in a certain stage of development where they need certain things and they only comprehend certain things and they need to feel safe in their environment. But how do you even go about navigating that as a parent where you're like, but I might not come back. Do you have a conversation with them? Do you try to like get on their level and say do you tell them that there's a chance that that's not true or do you keep them in the bubble because of their age like what do you do
1: just hide in the bathroom but don't lock the door at kelly's house because jacob will beat the door down
0: <laughs> anita <laughs> hides in the pantry
1: and eats chips they'll go do that's know the that. first
2: place they would go because they they, they want to they want food first yeah
0: yeah
1: <laughs>
2: Like you saw, Jacob came in here with a pretzel in his hand. He got oh, it, and then came it to get me. <laughs> so
0: make sure there are carbs nearby. Yes. <laughs> Just don't lock the door. But I mean, yeah. Do you do you have conversations? Yeah. Or do you avoid so it?
2: One of the, I I have a lot of very real conversations with both of the kids, but I try to keep it as age appropriate as possible because they're so different. And Tori can obviously comprehend a lot more. But what I'm what I'm learning is that uh, kids understanding and comprehension of death being permanent doesn't really kick in until they're like nine or 10. And so as they hit these, these growth milestones, Jacob in particular, or Anita, your younger ones, um, who, who lost Jason at a younger age when they didn't understand that death was permanent. As they go through these next milestones, it like re triggers grief and they go through it again. And my son, I just brought it up to the therapist because I've noticed that some of his anxieties are coming back. And some of the questions that he has for me are different than they used to be just six months ago. And she said that he's definitely hitting another milestone and his brain is just understanding a little bit more. And the question that he asked me last week was, is it my fault daddy died? And that's not a question he had ever said to me before. So his brain is comprehending such different pieces of that loss. Now, two years later, that I have to have these conversations with him as they come up, because you're right. We can't just be like I promise I'll be back Um, because they know they just know that that's not the reality. Jacob, I think the reason he connects so much to having to be in my room with me um, or if I'm in the bathroom, he like follows me and, and everything is because Kyle left the house really early that morning. Um, he got up at like four in the morning and, and was getting ready and Jacob had come into our room and said bye to him. And then he never saw him again. So for, for a three-year-old, that's like, that's like a nightmare. You know, you see someone, you say bye, you expect them to come back. So for Jake, every time I walk out the door and he's not going with me, he panicked. So you have to have very real conversations, but you just have to break it down into really small pieces for them.
1: And the thinking that maybe he's responsible for his dad's death, that's totally also in line. It's magical thinking. It makes no sense to an adult mind. Like, why would he think that? But it's very typical for a kid also to connect in their brain something that has no connection. Something that I have been instructed or guided to do also is talk to your kids about what would happen if something were to happen to me so that the most important thing for them to feel is that they will be taken care of and they will be safe. So we have had those conversations before. This is the plan. This is who you would go live with. You'll be taken care of. You know, this is why those people were selected to take care of you, you know, just so they they know that because in their mind, their dad's gone, their mom's gone. That's That's all the only people who've ever taken care of them. There's nobody else. And so to give them that backup of, what will happen is this is something that I've been guided to do. And we've had those conversations a few times with my kids.
2: I haven't had that conversation with Jake, but Tori has asked me several times, like, what happens to us? And I think for her, it feels a little bit more rocky, you know, Um so I've just, I've really laid it out for her. Like I've, I've gone to see a lawyer. All this information is in there and you will go live with the people that I've picked and they will love you and take care of you. And she's cool with it because she knows who they are and she loves them. So it's fine. But may I live to be a hundred and get to see their grandkids, please.
1: <laughs> I can't even imagine that. That just took it to a whole new level too because you're not in charge necessarily. Of what happens to her if you were to die yeah a judge a judge would be oh no you need a (laughs) read
2: because (laughs) i because i put my my wishes in writing that will weigh heavily on on a judge's decision so that's good to know
0: do you have anything like a trust at this point i mean you're young like us you're not in your 80s so how how old are you by the way I was, I was 36 when Kyle died and I'm 38 now
2: and no, we didn't, Kyle and I actually didn't have, I had life insurance through my job Um, and we had been planning on speaking to someone that I had been working with in January, January of 2020 is when we had plans of getting our life insurance. We were married. We were going to get everything all situated. You know, it was like tie it up with a pretty bow and then he died. And I'm still so mad that he didn't wait, you know?
1: (laughs) Come on. (laughs) I have another question about you were married for 51 days. How long were you guys together? Five and a half years before we got married. Like our
2: second round of being together was five and a half years.
1: Did his family see you as his person, even though you were only married for 51 days of your five years? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So they They, treated you nicely and they weren't like, you're just his girlfriend and we give you no.
2: No, because because I had such a history with him, like I came into his life and he was, he made it known. Like I was there to stay and I made it known. I was there to stay. It's hard coming in when there's another, when there's a child from another relationship, but I just latched onto that little girl so quickly because she and I were best buds and He didn't want to pull me into his life without knowing that I was going to be there for the long haul because of Tori. So when I came around, I was just greatly accepted. Friends, family, they just all accepted me.
0: So Kelly, I have a question for you. You have been really generous in volunteering your time with the Widow Wives Club and we're facilitating a couple of groups. So I want to ask you, how has it been for you and your healing to connect with other widows? That's been the,
2: the best part of my healing is connecting to other widows, where I just finally understand that all the things that I am going through is normal. A widow brain and, and that, that fog and the incapacity to be able to read a book anymore, just those things, I started to feel like I was losing my mind. And I wanted to say it was grief, but I had never had grief like this. And I had lost a lot of people in my life. My dad died when I was 14 and I didn't experience this intense grief. So connecting with the widows has just been this moment of sanity for me. And I think that's why I will just sit down sometimes when I'm, when I'm tired of scrolling, I'll just go into the widow's group just to scroll through and answer people's things. Because I remember feeling so lost in the beginning and I want, I just want to help someone, even if it's just one person, I just want that one person to be a little bit better because I shared my story or I answered a question that helped them somehow. Like that's why I've been doing my reels on Instagram and stuff for the same purpose. I want, I just want somebody to get something from it.
0: It's like a paying it forward in a grief way or a community way. It's interesting. I'll get in the widow's club and do the same thing and scroll. And I noticed today that somebody was saying those same things about Oh, I'm nine months out and I swear there is something wrong or underlying with my brain and this and that. And and, and then I saw the responses because, of course, those that are further out are like, oh, yeah, nine months isn't that long. But when you are at, at nine months, it feels like nine years. And you're just like trying to be like, okay, when will things get to be something that I recognize? And it really doesn't because you're you're creating a whole new stability and that can take a long time. And so it's always so helpful. And I love seeing it, even though I hate the reasons why, where people that are further out and it can be any, at any point further out, like two years, four years, seven years, someone was like 14 years, I think. And, and I just, am in awe about how the widow community gives back because of those same reasons so every post you make in there is so helpful and every oh thank you
2: my um my favorite post that I made was my my depression den bedroom and Anita said when did you come
0: to my house because that made me feel better (laughs) (laughs) I love that you called it the depression den that was like the (laughs) best I'm so with you
1: especially in the winter I don't know if you're like this but in the winter I just feel like I was texting Mel today. I'm like, I have no motivation to do anything. There's like blocks in the hall, like build, like not Legos, but Duplo blocks, and I just step over them. I just can't even like make myself do anything, and it's.
2: I I, I work I work a full time job. I sort of half ass a part time gig, just just like a social social networking thing, or like a social selling thing. Um, And then you've got the kids. And by the time there's any extra time to clean up, I don't want to. I just don't. But in the winter, I've been going to bed really early because I am. I'm just it's that seasonal depression on top of regular depression. It's just a failing combination, but I keep buying plants to try and help me. (laughs) You are us. You are me and Anita, oh my god! I just bought four, I just had four new plants delivered to my house today.
1: I got a new plant today too. What did you get? It was called a Roadrunner cactus. It's so cool. It oh, that's because like, you like your succulents. Yes, it looks like a flat cactus. I'm making a shape that nobody listening can see, but it's cool. <laughs> I really like this shape.
0: <laughs> like this. You know what? We need to have a plant for him. I know Carly Bauman loves plants. You love plants. I love plants. Succulents can count, Anita. Yeah.
1: Oh, I know. I told the cashier, I said, I will kill this. And he looked at me like,
0: okay. (laughs) (laughs) I like the Monsteras. I think those are fun. What did you order?
2: So the ones that came today, I have a lot of Monsteras. um, But the ones that came today were a string of turtles, a Tokyo sun sedum, an iron cross, And then my new pride and joy, which is called a Prince of Orange, and he's a philodendron, but he his new leaves as they come up, they're bright orange and dark orange, and then they fade to yellow, and then they turn green.
1: That sounded like your your WWF names all in a row. What string of (laughs) turtles? Turtle. That's my name. Something something sedum. Tokyo sun sedum. I have a lot of plants. (gasps) That would be the best wrestler name. Tokyo sun (laughs) sedum. I don't know. I kind of like Iron Cross. That was one of them.
0: So were you into plants before you became a widow?
2: No, I wasn't at all. And I was actually incredibly offended that people gave me plants after he died. Because I'm thinking I have a dog and a cat and two kids and myself to keep alive. And you just gave me plants to keep alive too. Why do you hate me? This is mean. It just felt cruel. You know, here's this plant that's supposed to remind you of your husband. Don't let it die. That's a lot of pressure. So in the beginning, I refused. My mother-in-law watered the plants um, for the first like six months. And then it was like one day I woke up and thought, I actually feel kind of peaceful when I'm by the plants. Like I feel good when I'm by them. And then the addiction
0: started. (laughs) You guys, why do you think that widows get obsessed with plants? I was the same way. I didn't even notice plants. I have a theory, but it's a little hippy-dippy. It's a little hippy-dippy. So
2: I, in the process of trying to heal, I have learned a lot more about like different grounding techniques and things like that. And one of my favorite things to have done, and I did this before Kyle died, was when I am stressed, when I'm upset, when I'm just kind of overwhelmed is to stick my feet in the grass. I like to be barefoot in the grass. And it's because you're, you're grounding yourself, you're connecting to the earth. And I think when you have these plants, you are bringing the earth inside, but then you're tending to them. So you're touching them constantly. You're touching the plant, you're touching the dirt, you're watering them. So I think you just get a lot of the like spiritual benefits from that, like the The like earthly energy, but then that's where people think I'm a little little loopy these days because I'm into my crystals and my essential oils and herbs and all that stuff. (laughs) They can think that we don't care. Whatever, if it works, it works. Leave me alone.
0: (laughs) I think being connected to the earth is so helpful. I know I just I'm just like pulling up like the science of grounding to be like I can't remember I like doing that too and I remember reading some article where it's like yeah go stand in the dirt so that you can and like spread
1: your toes out unless you're a diabetic can I just say that and you have neuropathy then do not take your shoes off and walk around in the outside but if you have good feeling in your feet then you should do it as much as possible I never wear shoes ever like even right now I just went and got the mail no shoes yeah
0: If you want to know, here's what the science says on the internet. So take this for what it's worth. (laughs) Grounding is currently an under-researched topic, and there are very few scientific studies on the benefits. However, the most recent scientific research has explored grounding for inflammation, cardiovascular disease, muscle damage, chronic pain, and dun-dun-dun, mood. There you go.
2: Yep, I'm telling you. It just really pivots my my mood for me so i think the more plants i surround myself with the happier i'll be but that hasn't quite proved to be true so i keep buying more there's got to be a magic number right
0: no you just keep getting more and then you're that plant lady and then your plant eats
1: you one day because you got the plant from that one little shop of horrors so t-
0: yeah ask ask Brittany bushio <laughs> she's she, what what's that plant that she's got what's it called is it a fiddle leaf uh. fig fiddly fig it's the biggest one i've ever seen they had to move it with a semi find me i'm in the i'm in the widow group find me <laughs> yeah Brittany, be friends with kelly kelly it's been so great to have you today and to chat with you and get to know you better in addition to all of the things that you are already contributing to the world and the widow world so thanks for joining us it's been a pleasure for us thank you for letting me be on here with you guys i'm really excited I talked
2: like we're best friends we are duh. (laughs) obviously i finally said to my best friend i said when i say anita or mel you just i am tired of saying from my podcast so could you know that that's who i'm talking about she's
1: like i got it (laughs) that's like the first thing they're going to talk to you about when they commit you to the insane asylum you know they're going to be like "Uh uh-huh she's going to be like these people they're not real but they're real but they're in my head it's fine We're best friends. We'll come visit you. It's fine. We have an important question to ask you before we leave. I'm so nervous about this question. (laughs) You are not the only one. People always say that. And I'm like, this is the question you should
0: not be nervous about. Yeah, don't you love that we're, like, asking about child custody and death? But this is the one where people are, like, so scared about.
2: It's because I'm scared you'll kick me out of the group. (gasps) Is it Swiss? No!
0: Listen, we accept vegans or lactose intolerant people. So we will not kick you out.
1: Okay. What's your favorite cheese, Kelly? Just out with or it. Or
0: do you like cheese? I just don't
2: really like cheese. <gasps>
1: oh!
2: I will eat it. I will eat it. So, and I and I am particular in the sense that I like it to be melted and gooey. Okay. So I love fondue, like pizza. I like pizza. I like mac and cheese. Um I like That king. counts. I like putting mozzarella inside meatballs. That's delicious. What? Just like Rum. eat cheese. I, can't. I just and none of it's like I think the cheese helps the meal, but it doesn't make the meal to me. So please other group.
0: Okay. I think that that counts. You, okay. you don't you're I, not a cheese hater. Do you like Cheetos?
2: I do like Cheetos.
0: Okay. And you know what? We have we haven't come up with cheese-filled meatballs and we like cheese, so look what you taught us today.
1: Kelly, thank you for joining us. We appreciate you giving us some of your time. We appreciate all you give to us in the Widow Wives Club and your amazing lip-reading skills that nobody knows about but us. And if you guys want to check out the Widow Wives Club, it's on Facebook. It's a private group. It's really awesome, really safe. Just make
0: sure you answer all the questions. Please. We want to... We got a really good one yesterday, you guys. It said, I agree that this is not a dating site, and I recognize that why do you want to be here and this person who had two of the same first names said i want to marry no thanks (laughs) bye that's why we have questions and require proof you all because the majority are honest people and then there are some that are not so i'm sorry
1: and if you want to keep the podcast going, consider checking out our Patreon. It's patreon.com
0: wwdn. If you'd like to buy us tacos, go to buymeacoffee.com do now. And
1: until we talk to you again, I'm Anita. I'm Mel. I'm Kelly. And we're just two young widows and one widow that Kyle wouldn't have married if she wasn't strong enough to do this widow gig business. And we're all trying to figure out...
0: Widow, we, we do now. This is my favorite thing to discuss with you. Tell me, what well, is it? One of my favorite things. I do enjoy tacos and cheese and dogs. This is about how you cannot pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars for a phone plan, especially when you're a widow. Your person is dead, you might have kids. You might need another option and you just want your phone to work. You want unlimited texting and service and you want it to be like 25 bucks a month.
1: It blows my mind that they have plans that start at $15 a month. That is so cheap. And the cool thing is, is it uses other 5G networks and so you don't have to pay extra for that. and You still get great service.
0: Yep. Anita and I have traveled